Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Evan Birchfield. Evan, how are you? Um, we just watched the Falcons blow another consecutive 26-10 lead. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a tone this whole year, but I'm just speechless again. Um, yeah, I Truly. mean, I, I really, we're doing this right after the game just took place, and I think me and you are both kind of speechless, which is unfortunate for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we we will get through it, but yes, I I literally feel stunned into a sense of shock, a sense of dismay, anger, laughter, just a flood of emotions sort of all hitting at once. Folks, if you didn't see it, don't go watch it, uh, but you can listen to this podcast and we will tell you what happened. The Falcons did lose this game. They fell to the Chicago Bears, who go to 3-0. and The Falcons 0-3. Uh, as Evan mentioned, they had a 26-10 to lead at one point, just like they did in the Dallas game, and they ended up losing 30-26. to uh, So, Evan, obviously, again, the Falcons had a fourth-quarter lead. I think they set NFL history yet again. I think they're the first team to blow a 15-point uh, lead or more in the fourth quarter in two consecutive games. Yep. Uh, so we have that going for us yet again. Um, so what are your overall thoughts about this game, about the team, about the coaching? Um, they started out really hot. Like I think everybody was kind of surprised by it. And it's like, okay, yep. naturally this is kind of the game where they're going to win because they did have, you know, you don't want to rely on the whole injury side of, you know, things, but Julio Jones did not play. Ricardo Allen did not play. Kendall Sheffield hasn't played all season and did not play. Um, they did get a couple guys back, like Marlon Davidson. This is his first game. Charles Harris, who was with the Miami Dolphins, who they traded for, and this was his first game. Um, and he also had a sack, but we'll get to the defensive side of things later. Um, yeah, I, I thought they did really well. Brian Hill, you know, the running game was well. Brian Hill did good. Uh, Todd Gurley. Um, kind of rough, some rough runs there, but looked pretty decent. He had 14 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown. Um, Brian Hill's 35 yard run was glorious. Um, yeah, man, it's crazy. They just, I don't know what to think at this point. Like this team starts out red hot and just doesn't know how to put the, uh, game away. Yeah, it's, um, and honestly, it's one of those things where I think you can go back and look at, individual plays, individual players, and just sort of see how they all sort of stacked up one on the other. Uh, I'm sure there are some deep passes Matt Ryan missed that he would love to have back that could have turned into bigger opportunities. There was a drop by Brian Hill for a drive that could have kept going. Um, There were some just flat out disastrously bad uh, uh, offensive play calls that were made in the, uh, the third and fourth quarter when the Falcons needed to burn time and they literally 
you know, were passing deep mm-hmm. when they needed to burn time off the clock. I mean, it was really, you know, for the offense, it was confluence of bad decisions and bad performances in the really the fourth quarter because you know the third quarter the falcons outscored the bears 10 to nothing uh and had that 26 to 10 lead and they literally gave up 20 points in the fourth quarter and you know i don't want to make uh excuses for the defense but uh the offense did them no favors the offense went completely scoreless in the fourth quarter uh yeah it just a I mean, honestly, when you lose a 26 to 10 lead, again, it is a complete failure from the coaches all the way through to all the players. You know, you can't really pin it on one person. Uh, so everyone shares a, a portion of the blame. Um, unfortunately, we're straight yep. three and outs at one point. I think that, yeah. you know, the offense wasn't going anywhere. It was 26 to 10 and it ended 30 to 26. So that shows you right there. The offense just kind of stopped and the defense you know, did what they've been doing all season. Yeah. I I mean, that's exactly right. They, they had multiple uh, three and outs and even worse, those three and outs barely burned down the clock in the process. Mm -hmm. And uh, at one point I made the comment uh, that they were getting too conservative too early. And then for whatever reason, they got aggressive uh, when they should have been conservative, when they should have been running the ball, keeping the ball short. And, you know, if you're going to pass it, fine. I understand you're going to pass it, but why are you going for deep shots when you need to keep, you know, you need to go for high percentage, shorter passes uh, to keep that clock running, make sure it's completion. And it was just inexplicable. The, 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 the play calling, especially in the late fourth quarter was, uh, inept. It was incompetent. It was, I, I can't think of a stronger word, but it was, it was incompetence from dirt cutter. Um, and we'll get to the stats there in, in just a bit. Uh, but I do want to cover some of the injuries because, you know, coming into this game, the Falcons were already banged up. Mm-hmm. They were missing Julio Jones on offense. Uh, they were missing, uh, guys like Tat McKinley, uh, uh, foyer Luacon, obviously AJ Terrell, uh, with the, the COVID, uh, Ricardo Allen, I mean, they came in banged up and I, you know, injuries are a reality of the NFL and the bears had very few of them, uh, coming into this game, <laughs> but the Falcons <laughs> suffered even more in this game and we'll have to see how these turn out, but I want to go through these injuries real quick and, and at least put this out there for folks who didn't keep up with it. Uh, Russell Gage went out with a head injury, probably concussion, uh, in the first half. That obviously hurt a lot for the offense. The Falcons basically had to turn to guys like Alameda Zacchaeus um, and Brandon Powell, uh, who obviously are a, a severe drop-off from Julio Jones and Russell Gage and you can in this offense. There was a misconnection between Ryan and especially Zacchaeus. Yep. Um, just constantly. There was there towards the end, he was actually wide open on a huge play, and Matt Ryan overthrew him. So. That could have been yeah. a game sealer, you know. But yeah, and I think some people took me to task. I made the comment that um, on some of those deep balls, uh, you know, when Ryan is a little bit off, it, it's somewhat to be expected because the speed profile for Russell Gage and Julio Jones is mm-hmm. uh, you know a bit different than it is for Zacchaeus and Powell, and uh, you know that does come into play, especially in a game where you're literally talking about, you know, a matter of inches, uh, you know, sometimes less than that between a completion and uh, an incomplete pass. Uh, But, you know, I I do think Ryan wishes he had some of those passes back. But yeah, to your point, I I don't think that those receivers 
it's hard to downgrade from those receivers and feel like it doesn't have an impact. Uh, so, you know, Russell Gage went out in the first half, and I think the second half they uh, it, it had an impact. Uh, it, clearly, it did in the fourth quarter when they needed to move the ball more. And, you know, the Bears started adjusting and doubling up Ridley, who was, uh, you know, having a good game early on. Um, Keanu Neal did uh, apparently suffer a hamstring injury. I think he he ended up finishing the game, though, so he, he came back in. Uh, Grady Jarrett, towards the uh, end, middle of the fourth quarter, uh, went out. Uh, it looked like he – I think they listed him as a, as a hip injury, mm-hmm. um, and he did not finish the game. So that is an injury we're going to have to pay attention to throughout the week to see how he progresses. But that certainly hurt as well. He was having a good game. Uh, Jacob Tuoti Mariner, elbow injury, didn't finish. Luke Stalker, head injury, he was actually cleared to return. So the Falcons got even more banged up in this game. Uh, God, the injury update podcasts this week are going to be brutal. <laughs> and Denard um, also was shaken up there towards the end. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, Darquez Denard, who actually had a, a really, really good game. He did. Uh, for he did. the majority of it. He was he was fantastic. Um he, yeah, you're right. He got banged up towards the the end of the fourth quarter, and uh, yeah, thanks, Evan. That's going to be another name to watch on the injury report. The injury report for the Falcons may be like an hour and a half podcast at this yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> it's unfortunate. Um, yeah. So let's talk about what the Falcons' offense actually did in this game. Obviously, they scored 26 points. They did, however, go scoreless in the fourth quarter. Evan, give us some of the statistics of what the Falcons' offense did in this game. Yeah, so as I said earlier, the run game was tremendous, I thought, compared to what they've been doing all season. Uh, Todd Gurley had 14 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown. His longest was 16 yards. Uh, Brian Hill had a beautiful 35-yard run where he was just kind of bobbing and weaving. But So that took up a big chunk of his 58 yards on nine carries, and obviously that was on a touchdown run. Um, Matt Ryan had a not a great day compared to how he's been, you know, each game this season, but he had 19 of 38, 238 yards, a touchdown, and then the interception there at the end that pretty much sealed it up for the Bears. Um, Calvin Ridley continues to be really, really good. He did not score in this game, though, um, but he had 13 targets, uh, which, uh, you know, that's kind of surprising because he only had five catches, um, but 110 yards, three straight day, uh Three straight games over 100 yards. Um, you know, obviously Gage left the game, so Zacchaeus became the second uh, receiving option. He had four catches for 41 yards. Early on, Hayden Hurst looked good, but like he only had three targets for a touchdown um, that came at the goal line. So he kind of got completely phased out. Um, and that's about it when it look when you look at the offense. Yeah, for the the Bears defense, um, they they came into this game with a really uh, uh, probably the best pass rusher in the game, and Khalil Mack, at least the most consistent, you know, top tier pass rusher. Uh, Akeem Hicks is a criminally underrated interior pass rusher, and they made a difference. Uh, you know, Matt Gono was starting for the first time at right tackle. He did a great job last week. He was getting beat up by Khalil Mack in this game. Uh, consistently, the Falcons started to, you know, finally towards the the second half, started giving Gono some help with some chips over there against Mac. And uh, you know, at that point, it seemed like it was too little, too late. But for the Bears, uh, as I mentioned, they had the uh, they had two sacks in this game. Akeem Hicks got one and a half of them. Uh, Khalil Mack got half of a sack. 
that doesn't tell the full story. You know, two sacks doesn't sound like much. It was clear Ryan was under duress for a good bit of the second half. First half, they they did a better job. And as you mentioned, Evan, whenever that running game could get going, um, they can take some of that pressure off. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, the second half, as they needed to pass, it became predictable and they couldn't protect Ryan the, the way they needed to. Um, the inter- the lone interception, which came, uh, you know, a little bit later in the game, uh, as the Falcons were trying to drive back to take back the lead came from uh, safety to Sean Gibson. I want to go back and look at that play because it, it was either a really bad Ryan pass or it was a miscommunication on the route between him and Ridley. Either way, it ended an interception. It effectively ended the game, ended the comeback for the Falcons, the, the attempt to come back rather, um, uh, for the rest of the defense, uh, you know, it, this is what is so frustrating. The Bears' defense until the fourth quarter really didn't have like an outstanding statistical game. Like their their leading uh, player for tackles was Buster Scrine um, with five tackles, uh, Eddie Jackson with five tackles, Tashawn Gibson with four. You know, they had the one interception. It really wasn't like a standout defensive performance. It's not like they had uh, six, seven sacks against Ryan, but it was clear that they did just enough to throw the offense off in the second half. And I don't want to give them too much credit because at the same time, I feel like the play calling for the Falcons, the offensive play calling had as much to do with the struggles as the pass rush from the bears. So relatively decent game from the bears defensively. Uh, but again, I feel like the story here is more about what the Falcons didn't do than what Chicago did do. Um, let's go over and flip the script, Evan, to mm-hmm. what the Falcons defense allowed and what the bears <laughs> did on offense. Um, so why don't you tell us what the bears ultimately done on offense, including, including the really interesting switch at QB, which, yeah, I think you could argue was the swing in the game. Yeah, um, Trubisky had like a long 45-yard run that was impressive. But then it, you could tell they needed a change in their offense because the Falcons were just kind of staying ahead. And they yeah. brought in Nick Foles, you know, the Super Bowl-winning quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, Nick Foles. And, yeah, he kind of just took over the game. Like I was telling you before before uh, the show that we talked about it and Foles, we kind of joked around like he, we're in trouble now once we saw him coming in. And sure enough, that's what happened. Um, yep. He had 16 completions for 188 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. But that one interception was a huge interception by Denard that we talked about earlier in the end zone. It could have easily been – a touch like four touchdown day for him um Allen Robinson came down with it Denard just had more possession of it so it went to Denard but um I don't I don't consider that an interception for Nick Foles he gave his receiver Allen Robinson the opportunity to um make the jump ball there but so I can't hold that against him he had an incredible day um and he'll probably you know he's probably won that job you know kudos to Nagy for you know, making that kind of switch. Um, Trubisky's two and zero at you know heading into this game, um, and you bench your starting quarterback. You bring in Nick Foles while you're down, and they come back and win. Like, you know, kudos because if, if they did end up losing, you know, there was already people on Twitter, uh, you know, criticizing the move. 
You know, you don't yeah. make a move that early and, you know, it benefited them. They came back and won. Um, Montgomery for the Bears was their leading rusher. He had 14 carries for 45 yards. So the Falcons pretty much shut down the run game. Tariq Cohen, who's always going to be tricky, and I mentioned last week um, that I thought he was somebody to kind of monitor. Uh, he had two carries for 21 yards. And as of right now, we're like it's not 100%, but it sounds like he tore his ACL. He left the game on a punt return. Um, where I, I can't remember who the Falcons player was, but he basically got thrown into Tariq Cohen um, and it looked bad. And yeah, he got carted off towards ACL. Um, yeah. Cordero Patterson, they even brought in for a couple carries, but he didn't get anything going Four carries, 13 yards. Um, but then you look through the air and Allen Robinson had a day, 10 receptions, 123 yards and a touchdown. One of which was 37 yards. Um, Jimmy Graham, who, you know, God, I thought we'd seen enough of him. Um, he had a tremendous day, you know, got to give it to him. Six receptions, <laughs> 60 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, he seems which, to always show up against the yeah, Falcons. Yeah, like, he, I, I promise you he hasn't been doing that <laughs> anywhere else. Um, right. <laughs> until recently. But uh, late in the game, Anthony Miller was another guy I was monitoring. I thought, you know, he's a weapon that for some reason had no receptions last week for them. Um, and he had two receptions, 41 yards, and a crucial touchdown. Uh, yeah. Ted Ginn Go Jr. ahead, touchdown, right? Yeah, and Ted Ginn yep. Jr., who I didn't even know was on the team, um, <laughs> came in. I was like, wait, is that Ted Ginn Jr.? And sure enough, it was. Uh, he had one catch for 29 yards. Um, the thing that really stood out with the Chicago offense was they got those kind of third, those long third down plays, long fourth down plays where – any other team, the Falcons' defense should have shut them down, um, right. and they, they just didn't. So why, why don't you go ahead and talk about the Falcons' defense, who just kind of let this offense look better than they actually are? But no. yeah, and that's you know the thing that's frustrating is you this game actually featured some good plays by the Falcons' defense. Bleeder Ray Wilson had an interception and, and a nice return that set up uh, what should have been another big Falcon score. And I think it ended in the field goal. Yep. Um, Darquez Denard had the interception, the one con- controversial maybe, but uh, I think most people agree that it should have been called an interception when it was called. That one didn't result in any points. Um, several pass deflections, uh, two from Bleedy Ray Wilson, two from Denard, one from Leroy Reynolds. Oh my God. Um, two from Isaiah Oliver. So, you know, in a game where the secondary was banged up, missing several starters, you have to look at guys like Bleeder Ray, Denard, Oliver, and, and think, okay, you know what? They played a, you know, or they had some moments. Uh, unfortunately, they also had some bad moments uh, to go with that. As for sacks, uh, Grady Jarrett obviously got his um, before he exited the game uh, late in the fourth quarter. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, Charles Harris uh, had a really nice sack. I do want to point out uh, John Kaminsky, I think, uh, generated a lot of the pressure early on, was looking good. Um, so I, I really – I'm still encouraged by his development. It's only his second year. It's a tough second year for him to you know, try to ne- take that next step forward. But he looks like a guy that you know could turn into a nice rotational piece for the Falcons – uh, maybe more. Uh, so, you know, again, I think he he was generating some pressure early on. Uh, and as as far as like you know, basic stats like tackles, Isaiah Oliver uh, and Michael Walker led the team with six tackles each. 
Uh, Keanu Neal had four, Denard had three, and then, you know, down from there. They also had a lot of tackles for loss, which was sort of an interesting development. They they had a lot of uh, run blitzes, which frankly worked out fantastic. Uh, guys like Oliver, Walker, Neal all had uh, a tackle for loss. Grady Jarrett had two, uh, I think one of which like resulted in a seven-yard loss uh, early on in the game. Uh, Alan Bailey had a tackle for loss. Charles Harris did. Uh, it, just a really like impressive performance early on from the defense. And I, again, I think that's why this is sort of frustrating. It felt like they were doing all the things they needed to do in the first half and really in the third quarter. It was just the fourth quarter where the meltdown came on full blast with this defense. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to throw guys like Jalen Hawkins and some of the rookies under the bus because, to be blunt, this is a tough situation for them to come into with, you know, guys who are starters ahead of them uh, basically, you know, missing the game because of injuries and, and they're getting snaps where they're not expecting to. Um, but, you know, Jalen Hawkins had a, a really bad penalty uh, that uh, sort of set up one of the touchdown drives, uh, gave the the Bears 15 yards on what was, I think, a one-yard reception. So they really shot themselves in the foot, the defense did in this game, uh, and, and they had several penalties like that, you know, that, that really kept drives alive. Uh, and ultimately, when the Bears were in third and long and even fourth and long situations, they just simply couldn't stop them in the fourth quarter. And uh, when you're talking about giving up like a third and 17 or a fourth and 10, uh, those are plays that define the defense. And right now, despite a good start in the first three quarters, they failed to finish. And that I think ultimately is the story of the Dan Quinn Atlanta Falcons. They can start really hot, look really good, and yet they cannot finish and their inability to finish is so bad at this point that they have blown 16 point leads in two straight weeks. Um, Evan, any additional thoughts on that now sort of disastrous tendency with this team? Yeah. um, If I can, and I know you never want to just blame the kicker for anything, but Oh no! I'm uh, let's blame everyone. I'm all okay. good with it. Let's do okay. it. Lean I, into it, like buddy. <laughs> I, this, like I don't want to say it's Ku's fault because this team naturally would have found a way to lose. Um, but when you look at the score, they lost by four. Ku had a missed uh, extra point attempt, which he also had last week, and he missed from I believe it was 48 yards. So, you know, that's the difference between going into overtime where you still have a chance to win, even though again they. Knowing this team, they would have found a way to lose anyways. But, you know, <laughs> he's not kicking over 50. It's not He's not reliable from long. The onside kicks are, you know, that's certainly a talent. But they brought in no competition for him. No competition, yep. Um, and every time I see this, I think of that. And that's nothing against him. He's not supposed to force the team to bring in competition. But they just gave him the job outright. And they have no reliable kicking game. They just don't. Um so I know that he's not going to get a lot of the blame and, you know, but I, I just see it how it is. If he made that extra point and that field goal, it's overtime. It, yeah. The game wasn't over. So, uh, yeah, that's the only thing I'd like to add. Uh, shame on them for not learning in the Matt Bryant situation. You must always have 
you know, unless you have Matt Bryan at the top of his level, you bring right. in competition. Uh, to Vecchio, you'd think they would have learned it with that, you know? He had all the confidence in the world, they thought, and then that preseason just blew up. Um, That's a great point. And they get, they got rid of their, uh, you know, franchise-leading score for somebody who made, I believe, five field goals, and then it exploded that preseason. Now, you know, they just gave Koo the job again, and no competition. He was going yeah. he was going to be the guy anyways, but you bring in somebody. You know, we get those reports where they – they have somebody in for a tryout or a workout. They did that in the punting game. They just didn't do it at all in the kicking game at all. So that's my soapbox yeah. speech. No, it, it, you're you are one hundred percent correct. And I actually said on Twitter during the game that if you're going to be a football team that plays close games, you had better damn well make sure you have a reliable kicker or else you're going to lose a lot of these close games. And sure enough, to your exact point, Evan, uh, missed extra point, missed field goal, it's a 30-30 to 30 game mm-hmm. instead of 30-26. to 26. Also, I and, think – oh, sorry. I just wanted to add that you're not going to see this on the stat sheet, but that's a momentum killer. But go on. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, it, it's – we did get spoiled a little bit. Um by having such a reliable kicker in, in Matt Bryant. Uh, but to your point, even if Koo was going to win the job, you have to bring in competition. You have to bring in someone that you know, you know, if Koo begins to fall apart, uh, because kicking tends to be something that erodes quickly, you know, kicker confidence, I think is a real thing. And, and if they begin to miss kicks, they tend to come in bunches. Um, and this is something where, now the the Falcons really didn't have anyone they tried out. They didn't have anyone else in camp at that position uh, to see, you know, to develop a relationship with, to determine if this person maybe could be someone they could bring in in the pinch. And right now, you know, I I will be curious to see how Ku responds to this. This could be a inflection point for him, and honestly. He's the last thing the Falcons need right now. Owen three is for their kicker to suddenly become unreliable. And with the mix missed extra point, the missed field goal, uh, this could become yet another concern in a season full of concerns. So uh, it's yeah. A fantastic point. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, for those who don't realize it, I want to put this out there. We have an article on the the Falcoholic that I, uh, I actually pre-wrote before the game because we knew this would be another unfortunate record if it happened, and it's this. The Falcons have now started 0-3 for the first time um, since 2007. Yes, that season. Bobby Petrino, Mike Vick in jail, uh, that 4-12 and season uh, is the last time. Joey Harrington, Byron <laughs> Leftwich, Chris oh, Redman at quarterback, um, that trio. It's literally um, the that is the last time this team went 0 and 3. And their next game is on the road against the Green Bay Packers, who are playing really good football right now. And it's a Monday night game. Um, Evan, uh, as we close this out, Last thoughts on the Falcons before I close us out with my final thoughts on Dan Quinn. Yeah, um, I'm going to save you the uh, 
I'll leave the good stuff for you. I just want to say, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just tired. Like, I'm always going to love this team. You know, I'm never going to not be a Falcons fan. But they need a culture change. They're getting that stink of being chokers, you know. Actually, no, they're not getting it. They have it right now. They're a laughing stock. Um, the NFL is laughing. Uh, it just took, for some reason, the national media, like, even as bad as they were about mentioning the Super Bowl, they didn't notice it before. This team has a history of doing this, where they let people back in games and lose the games. Um, yep. But now they're doing it by screwing this whole thing up. Uh, they have they don't have the ability to finish out these games. And I don't, you know, there's no stand, uh, fans in the stands aside from the 500 family and friends who were there. But <laughs> I can't imagine there was too many of them left. Um <laughs> It's it's heartbreaking because we're seeing the end toward, more towards the end than the beginning for Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, these right. players who have given their all to this team and they're wasting their talent. Um, yeah, it's just it's heartbreaking. It's sickening. Um, as you said, we have the Green Bay Packers next week on Monday Night Football. It's not getting easier. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I any little bit of optimism I had has left me at this point. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that is, you're speaking for where most fans are at and where I'm at. Uh, and let me say this, and I'm going to close out our podcast with, with this thought. Dan Quinn is a great man. You know, Gina has personal stories about the kind of man that he is. I really do believe that he is a decent decent human being, just the kind of guy you want to root for, that you want to succeed. But sometimes good men get in over their heads and they can't find their way out of the mess that they created. And right now the Falcons are 0-3 for the first time since, honestly, probably the worst season in the franchise's history, 2007. That says a lot about the, the teams that have been fielded under Matt Ryan but it also simultaneously says a whole lot about what this team is right now with that same quarterback. The defense is a disaster. The offensive play calling is uh, nothing short of a joke. They went too conservative too early and too aggressive way too late. There is an inconsistency to the usage of players, uh, an inability to know how to use the players, and frankly, just uh, an over-dedication to the idea that they are just one play away. They're just one play away from winning these games that they should have won, honestly, by big blowouts. And that is who the Falcons are right now. And you can pick this team apart from the Dirk Cutter play calls uh, to what you know our defensive coordinators are currently doing. But ultimately... All of this rolls up to one man, and that's Dan Quinn. And I like Dan Quinn. I think he is a good guy. I loved his vision for the team early on. I thought it made a ton of sense. It felt refreshing and new compared to what Mike Smith had offered in his waning years with the Falcons. But his time is up. I can't emphasize this enough. When you lose two straight games in which you had a 16 point lead with an offense. Uh, being guided by Matt Ryan with a talent like Calvin Ridley, with an underused talent like Todd Gurley, 
with guys like Brian Hill who show a ton of promise yet can't seem to find the field at the right time, it is an indictment of the head coach through and through. The Falcons need to make a change, and my biggest fear at this point is that they won't. They'll look at the injuries. Arthur Blank will look at the injuries and say, oh, well, they were missing half the defense. They were missing Julio Jones. They were missing Russell Gage in the second half. And that those excuses will buy Dan Quinn just enough time for him to win one or two games and to survive through the rest of the season. And frankly, Falcons fans deserve better than that shit. Arthur Blank, I don't know if you're listening. You're probably not. You have better things to do with your time. But it is time for you to make a bold move because the era of the status quo is crushing the soul of your fans and you're giving us no hope and no reason to believe in this team and keeping Dan Quinn at the top of it is not going to fix it. It's time for a change. And as much as I love DQ, he has to go. Evan, tell our listeners where they can find you and what you've got going on. Um, you can find me at thefalcolic.com where all of our talented writers will be pumping out great stories throughout the week. Um, also on twitter.com uh, at Evan Birchfield. And yeah, me and DW will be here every week, win or lose. Um, yep. So yeah, appreciate you listening. As for me, guys, you can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this podcast at FalcoholicPod. And as Evan mentioned, uh, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Evan Birchfield, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in, and we'll talk with you next time.